Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so we are concluding our sermon series on Rise Up. And we start with this scripture out of the New King James Version. There is only one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. Everyone say power. It is sown in a natural body and it's raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And that's because God breathed the breath of life in him. But then it says, the last Adam, who was Jesus, how many of you know that? There was the first Adam that was in the book of Genesis, and then God identifies Jesus as the second Adam. That means that in the beginning, God created all things and did something new. But in order to do something new in the new covenant under a new dispensation of grace, God had to send another Adam. And so the second Adam, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. That's who Jesus was, a life-giving spirit. How many of you know what it is to have an abundant life or feel the life of God in you? See, when God gives you life, you feel peace. You feel joy. You have contentment. You have a smile on your face when everyone thinks you should be frowning. You have a skip in your step when everyone thinks you should be dragging your feet. You have optimism when everybody believes you should be pessimistic. You look at your problems and you say there's nothing too hard for God to do and shrug your shoulders back and look confidently at your obstacle or problem and say, I know who lives in me. I know he is able to do exceeding abundantly. And above all, greater is he inside of me because he rose from the dead. I can raise and rise above my circumstances. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, Jesus rose so you can too. Now everybody say, God bless this service today. Amen. High five somebody before you're seated. Tell them, I'm ready for church. I'm ready for the word. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for being here. So excited that we had a packed house during the first service and uh, you know, it's just so exciting to see God working. To completely understand the resurrection, I really do believe you have to go back to the book of Genesis. To understand God's complete plan, it's very important to go back to the Garden of Eden. After Adam's fall in the garden, there was no restoration for Adam and Eve except 
by limited circumstances that God had to take the blood of an animal. We know this because they were clothed with animal skin. And that was the first blood sacrifice that was given for their failure, for their sins. And, but they were never able to recover or be restored back to what they lost. In that garden, they had the favor, the unmerited favor, the, the innocence. They lived in their, in their nakedness but didn't even know they were naked. They had innocence. But when sin came into their life and they lost it all, then they knew that they felt shame and they felt guilty. They were guilty. So they moved on from that place and they had to step outside the garden, but God yet, he covered them in his decency and, and then they began to live life again, but things were never the same. God said he had cursed the ground. God said that it would be hard on the woman when she had babies and gave birth. God said that, that Adam would have to work by the sweat of his brow what was easy for him before. Now he had to deal with the elements of the ground, the thorns and the thistles and all things that would choke out his labor and he would have to toil hard. And so sin couldn't be done away with. It only had to be dealt with. Sin had to be dealt with. The condition of humanity would say, uh, stay this way for centuries before Jesus would ever come into this world. Animal sacrifices had to be made. Rituals had to be performed. And humanity really had no hope. It was by Paul, his, really his declaration, his proclamation, really when he said, um, if men have hope in this life alone, he's probably going to be the most miserable man in the world. If you have hope in this life alone, you'd be of all men most miserable. People that are miserable in their life, they don't have a sense of hope. Jesus came to restore hope back into the world. The only hope they had in the time of Christ before his arrival in this world were the prophecies. The prophecies, everything from the Old Testament was directing towards the Messiah. Jesus sat down with his disciples even after that, his resurrection, and he spent 40 days and 40 nights. Read the book of Luke chapter 45, chapter, chapter 45, and read 24, 45. Read what it says. It says that Jesus talked to them and expounded the scriptures and explained to them what Moses wrote and the prophets said concerning him. He did his very best to explain everything to them and show them that everything in the scripture was pointing to him. That was the hope. At one point, the disciples were walking on the seashore by the seaside, and they were just simply um, down and depressed and discouraged, and they were let down because Jesus had been crucified and buried, and, and, and he transformed himself and walked among them, and he told them when he walked up to them on, this, on the beach, he said, what manner of conversation are you having among yourself that you're so sad? And they looked at Jesus, not knowing who he was, and said, haven't you heard? Don't you know that Jesus, the Christ, we thought he was the one. We thought he was the one, and, and he's not here. And, and the Lord began to talk to them, and they still didn't know who he was. 
But then all of a sudden, after he ministered to them, he took off and left, and then they, their eyes were open, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us? Just a little confirmation, a little encouragement before he would reveal himself, sit around the campfire and talk to them and meet with them and explain to them. Jesus' resurrection validated every prophecy that was ever pointed to him to let them know that they didn't miss it, that he was who he says he was, and he is who he says he is. So every experience after the resurrection, it validates everything that we hear about, that we know about. The only sign, the only sign that he would give them to prove this was the resurrection. He told one person in the scripture, he said, tear down this temple and in three days I'll build it back up again. They had no clue what he was talking about, but he was talking about his body. And this is nothing more than a, than a decoration that he made. The only sign that would be given to them to validate who he was was going to be a resurrection. Without the resurrection, the cross really wouldn't have any power. Without the resurrection, the blood would have no significance. Without the resurrection, that grave and that open sepulcher wouldn't be celebrated today. But because of the resurrection, it's a place where we come to by faith and say, God, forgive me for my sin, and the blood is applied. It's a place that we go to called Calvary that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where we can kneel at that old rugged cross and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, become my Lord and Savior, and it happens by faith in that moment. Somebody give God some praise and thank him for the mercy and the grace of God. But the resurrection, the resurrection, you see, without the resurrection, nothing could be justified. He rose again. The plan was now where the first Adam failed, the second Adam would finish what was meant to be done. The first Adam gave in to temptation. The second Adam said, no, thank you. The first Adam was weakened by deception. The second Adam said, Satan, get behind me. The first Adam couldn't even clothe himself and had to find out by, by his sin he was naked. But the first, the second Adam, Jesus Christ said, I know who I am. I know that I've been anointed, and I understand my calling and purpose. I'm not naked, but I'm clothed with his anointing. That's why Isaiah wrote and said in, in Isaiah 61, a prophecy concerning Christ. It said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me and sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to declare the liberty and the, and the celebration of the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, to open up the prison doors to them that are bound. Jesus did that on one moment in the scripture. He walked into the synagogue one day, and he opened up the book. He stood in front of the people, and he quoted Isaiah 61. Jesus knew who he was. 
And with knowing his identity, he wasn't afraid to go to the cross, go through the burial, and was excited about the resurrection. He faced it for you and for me. In fact, the only reason, the only reason you and I are here in this facility here today with the intention to experience God, it's all because Jesus came out of the grave. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest with each other. Some of us shouldn't even be here. Some of us shouldn't even be in church. Some of us shouldn't even be alive. Certain Some of us should be six feet under, but here you are in the presence of God, worshiping him. Don't let a moment pass you by. You belong to him. You should not be here, but if it wasn't for the grace of God, does anybody know what I'm talking about? If it wasn't for his forgiveness, if it, you should have been gone a long time ago, but here you are. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm still here. It's by the grace of God. By the grace of God. The only reason we're here and we can lift our hands and experience God's presence is because of what happened centuries ago. But here we are. And every time you feel his presence, it's a validation that Calvary was for real. Have you ever felt, let me ask you this. Do you remember the first time you came to repentance and you gave God your heart? Do you remember the first time you felt the presence of God in your life? Do you remember the first time you felt that love, felt that peace? you remember those warm tears that came down your face? They weren't tears of sorrow. They weren't tears of misery. They were tears of joy, tears of love, tears of appreciation, because something invisible, something that you couldn't see, but something that you can definitely feel was in the atmosphere. I feel him in the atmosphere right now, just to be quite honest with you. He is alive. He is well. And if you're sensitive enough or you are hungry for him, you can feel him today. You can feel him every moment, and every time you feel him is just another sign for you and I. Everything that word, everything this Bible said is true. God said to himself, well, I guess the first Adam was a beta. The first one was just a test. Well, you wanted something done right, I guess you got to go down there yourself. That's what God said. If I, want, I guess if I want this done, I'm going to have to go down myself. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John chapter 1, in verse 14 in chapter 1, it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What was in Jesus? Grace and truth. And when the Lord went through everything he went through, grace and truth broke through the line and made a score for you that you couldn't make on your own. Adam couldn't do it the first time. No prophet could ever come through the second time. But the third time, just like on the third day, Jesus came out of that grave so you and I can rise above our circumstances. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Point number one. Well, let me, let me give you this right here. here. Here's the good news. Are you ready? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, But the Spirit of Him, here's the good news. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. But if the Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you, how many of you have the Spirit of Christ inside of you? How many of you believe you've got God in your life? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you believe that the Spirit of Christ dwells inside of you? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells inside of you. I'm so sorry. It's working. The King James Version says it like this. If the, spa- if the same spirit that was in Christ is in you, the same's going to resurrect your body at the last day. That's what it says. That's what it says. So, so in other words, in other words, you, you can't, you're not, the grave can't hold you down because it, did, it couldn't hold Jesus down. Jesus said, I went through all of this and all of this to experience this. So what I had inside of me that went through it, I'm going to put in other people. Many, many people. And what I had, they're going to have. Here's what you have to ask yourself. Do you believe that you're going to be resurrected and that your body will be forever with God when you pass from this world. So what's inside of you can't stop you from getting to heaven. Remember, am I right? Okay. So, so the, the big challenge for us believers is this. If we have so much faith in that, let me challenge your thinking. Then why do we get stumped with little problems in this world now, thinking that the same resurrection power can't handle that. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of depression. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of poverty. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of a low-paying job into a brand-new one. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of your failed education and get you into a new one. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of your sickness. Hello, somebody. If it can get you out of the grave, it can get you out of your addiction. Hello. There's no limitation. Here's the first point I want to give you, and the only point I'm going to give you today is this. If the grave can't stop you, nothing can. (laughs) If the grave can't stop you, nothing can. Let me me break it down for you this way. Let me help you here. Okay? Here's everything that Jesus went through. How do you like my little artwork right there? I did that last night just for you. What happened was when Jesus came into this world, what happened was is that when Jesus came from heaven, He lived on this earth. He faced a government, a Roman empire, and a religious system. He was falsely accused. 
He was persecuted. The reality for the believer in this world is that God's amazing grace and his plentiful mercy has released us because Jesus was released from the grave when he went in. When he went in, the scripture says he went down to hell and he took the keys. That's an ugly, I don't know what door that opens up. (laughs) Not only did he take keys, but he took a comb. That's some nappy hair right there. Everybody's using that one. But anyhow, (laughs) he went down there first. You know, think about this. Jesus went to hell so you don't have to. Let me rephrase that. Jesus went to hell so you wouldn't have to. (laughs) Here, and now watch. He went down, okay? Then... He rose back up again, okay? He came back into the world. He spent time with the disciples here in the world. He spent time here. He talked with them for a while. Then the scripture says that 500 disciples were gathered together. 500 disciples were gathered together, and he told them, go to Jerusalem, and only 120 went Not everybody could believe it. Not everybody followed through with it. But those that did listen, they followed through and they waited on him. Why? Because in that moment, 500 people saw him ascend from the earth into heavenly places. And this is what Jesus said. Wait for me. Wait for me there. Because I'm going to give you something that you're going to need in your life. I'm going to give you everything that Hebrews chapter 11 would be written on later on. I'm going to give you everything that the patriarchs from Moses to Abraham to David, to Solomon, to every one of my my family members that you read about in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to give you everything that Joshua was even looking for, that every prophet was looking for. They looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, but never found it. I'm fixing to give it to you, and it's called the kingdom of God. It's called the resurrection power inside of you. It's called life and life more abundantly. But wait there in the city of Jerusalem. And this is what happened. In this world, God poured out his spirit in the earth and he caused multitudes from one, one person, one person. I want you to look around at everybody real quick. Just look around. Just look around. It's just, this is really just a small, small, you know, percentage just even in our city, maybe even just in the zip code. But this is all because of one person who rose out of the grave. Look at everyone. They're all here because of what Jesus did. You're all here. You're not supposed to be here. Salvation first came to the Jewish nation, and then the Gentiles, we were just, you know, forgotten about, but thank God that God saw what was going to take place, 
and he said, I'm going to go to a people who aren't my people. I'm going to take two groups of people and make one body. I'm going to go into darkness and bring people out of there into my marvelous light. I'm going to go to a nation that didn't want me. My people overlooked me, but I'm going to go to a group of people who will embrace me. Aren't you glad for the mercy and grace of God today? Isn't his grace amazing? And this is what I want to show you. And what Jesus poured out in the earth, in here. Let me clear this for you real quick. What Jesus poured out was every benefit that you and I experience because he broke every barrier in the earth, in hell, the firmament, and now give you authority in heaven. You see, in other words, the promise was to give you life after death. But read the Bible. That life was never meant to be put on hold. In other words, God didn't just save you to go to heaven. God saved you so you can see heaven on earth. That's right. You don't believe me? Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it what? Is in heaven. You mean what I have now? Yes, you have the kingdom. You have a piece of heaven inside of you. The scripture says it's the earnest of your inheritance. It's also called the resurrection power. Let me prove this to you right here. John chapter 11, verse 25. John chapter 11, verse 25 said, when, when Mary and Martha came to Jesus, when they saw him approaching the house, Lazarus had already been dead for uh, four days, right? So Jesus comes up, and, and they're like, Lord, if you had been here sooner, right? You should have took an Uber. I mean, you know, we always find excuses of why God's late. Can I tell you something? God is never late. He's always right on time. You may feel impatient right now, but it's hold on. Patience works character, and God's developing something in you. But there is something in you that God wants you to have a revelation about or an understanding of is that what's in you is greater than what's in your face, in your world, in your problem. So Jesus looked at them and said, hey, hold on a second. You're going to see him again. And they said, we know, Lord, we're going to see him again at the resurrection. Jesus said, hold on a second. He said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What was he talking about? The future? No, 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 no. He was talking about the very present circumstances. Did you know that you can be dead in sin, but God can come and raise you back to life? What do you mean raise me back to life? Yes, the first death that happened was the first Adam. 
but the second Adam had resurrection power that was going to raise us back from the dead again the first time. We're going to be risen from the dead when it's time for us to meet the Lord. I thank God for heaven. I'm looking forward to being with, with him forever. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? I'm so grateful for that. But, 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 but why can't we have a little heaven on earth right now and have a little joy and have a little peace and have a little love and have a little talk with Jesus to make things right? Well, why can't we be happy now? I mean, well, this, this experience was never meant for you and I to be somber or to just be so serious, right? Why so serious? Right? That was kind of freaky. Sorry. That was weird. But anyhow, <laughs> all right, it's pictured me doing that, thinking, where did you get that? I saw the new Joker trailer probably, and he threw me all off. I don't <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that, the truth is, is that why does everybody have to be so sad and put on a, sake, a fake smile? You can really have joy unspeakable and full of glory right now. You can really be happy right now. You ought to smile and think yourself happy right now. You have something on the inside. Hold on, let me rephrase that. You have someone on the inside that ought to put a smile on your face. He's never down. He's never depressed. He's not always, oh, man, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to go to church no more. Right? Forget it, man. Pastor Robbie, he's so stupid. He never tells me. Takes forever to preach. I want to go back to my mom's church. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's you. I don't, I'm not picking on anybody. <laughs> we let the smallest things get to us, man. We let the smallest, and we forget. Did you, did you forget that the risen Christ is inside of you and nothing could hold him down? And he gave you his spirit. You got resurrection power inside of you. Because he lives, your present circumstances will also live. The resurrection was meant to be experienced before your death. Its power and influence is available to all of us right now. Right now. If your dreams feel like they've been killed, hey, here's the good news. God can resurrect dreams again. If you feel like you've lost your job, that's okay. God can resurrect a new one. If you feel like you've lost and failed because of an addiction, that's all right. God can resurrect you with deliverance in your life. If you feel like, I don't know if I should move on or I can move on, Jesus said, don't worry about it. You can do all things through me who strengthen you. You remember those balloons we got? Those, those, uh, they, they, were, they weren't balloons. They were like little punching bags. Remember that when they first came out when you were a kid? You, you blew them up. They had a little sand on the little sandbag on the bottom, and they were like clowns, right? Or boxing guys, people, boxers, and, and you blow them up, and they're like this, this, this balloon thing. I don't know what it was, punching balloon or whatever, and, and your parents bought it for you, and it was the coolest thing, man. You'd hit it, and it bounced right back up. You hit it, it bounced right back up. Then one day you kicked it and it flew across the room. And you took it outside and tested it and you threw it up in the air and it still landed like a cat. 
Nothing you, can, nothing you did could knock it down or keep it down. You know, that's why hell is so frustrated with you because every single time he tries to knock you down, resurrection stands up on the inside and says, nope, that wasn't more powerful than my God. Resurrection says, get back up, son. Resurrection says, don't give up. Resurrection says, try again. Resurrection said, what passed? I don't remember a past. Resurrection says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Resurrection says, you have what it takes. Oh, man, somebody give God some praise right now. My Lord. You're justified by the experience that you have because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went through the burial Jesus came out of the grave, and he ascended up on high and gave you what he had. He gave you what he had. Here's the cool part. Everything Jesus overcame, everything that enabled him to overcome, every level, in hell, earth, in the firmament, and the heavens, where angels tread, and that's where he's seated. In the heaven of heavens. Because there are two, there, I don't want to get into too much theology, but there's another level where the throne is. But he conquered everything underneath that place. You have the ability by what he gave you on the inside to overcome Every problem, every devil, nothing can stop you. Come on, Haley. Here's what I'm going to leave you with today, and I'm done. Here's what I'm leaving you with today. Boy, that's a record. Fifteen minutes left, boy. Man. Hmm. Here's what I want you to remember. If grace got you this far, Grace will get you home. You understand that? God didn't bring you this far just so you can say, oh, that's all he can do. No, 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 no. The resurrection has no limitations. It's limitless. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. God is everywhere. God has all power. I'm telling you right now that you really need a revelation on who's inside of you and what he's capable of. But I'll tell you how to tap into it. Here's what you do. You stand to your feet. You lift your hands. You lift your voice. And you say, God, thank you for your grace. You see, it's the grace of God that keeps you standing. It's the grace of God called the unmerited favor of God that comes into your life because Jesus paid a price and overcame. And when, if he overcame, you will overcome because he can't fail. God isn't going to fail. So you embrace that and thank him for it. What we want you to do right now, we want you just to lift your hands right where you're at. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. The Spirit of God is near every single one of you. And you can reach up and touch Him. And you can reach out and experience Him. If you'll just embrace this one truth, that He is alive, He is here, and He said if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. Right now, all over the place, make this your prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe. Lord Jesus, 
I receive. I love you. I love you, Lord. Thank you. There is nothing that can stop me, God, because nothing can stop you. It is your will for me to live a prosperous life. It is your will for me to have a strong marriage. It is your will for me to have my family saved. It is your will for me to live a blessed life. It is your will, dear God, for us to prosper as our soul prospers. So today, right now, receive it in Jesus' name. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.